Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast, Season 1, Episode 63. So excited to be here again today with Dick Foth on with Back Channel with Foth. Before, and then we'll jump into our interview with Cornell Jordan, where we talk about reconciliation and Cornell's seven steps to reconciliation. And Cornell is someone that uh, puts a smile on your face just to just to hear his voice and more so when you get to see his face. Dick, it's so excited to be with you again today back on, um, on the Clarity Podcast. Always excited to be with you, Aaron. Looking forward to learning from you uh, once again today. Dick, i um, got two questions that the listeners have sent in. Um, the first question is, who is the most authentic and trans person you know? You know, <laughs> this, this, this reminds me of that Sunday school class where the teacher said, you know, what's the little animal has a bushy tail, little bright eyes, and scrambles up and hides nuts and so forth. And the little kid says, you, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to say Jesus, but it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel to me. <laughs> I, uh, but, I would, but I will say Jesus, okay? Yeah. I think when I read Jesus and I read what he says and I read the uh, shots that were taken at him and I read his grief when he weeps for Lazarus or for the moment, or his, um, his uh, angst that comes through in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, that's authentic. That's, uh, that's a truth teller. But in terms of my own world of flesh and blood people, I went through a list in my mind because I, I knew this question was coming. And I, and I went through a list in my mind of people that I considered authentic. And uh, my father-in-law, Roy Blakely, was one of those. He mm. was, um, he, he was a, a down-to-earth, uh, if you want counseling, don't come to my office. Let's get on a tractor and go help a guy plow his field out in Central California. You know, that sort of a guy. But from a non-family member, it would have to be my friend Alan uh, Texgroff was his name. He's a pastor that I first met when Ruth and I did a church plant at the University of Illinois in 1966. And he was in the structure, uh, in the leadership structure for the state of Illinois, but pastored a, a very healthy congregation in Granite City across from St. Louis. And uh, he was brought up in um, he was brought up in uh, Texas. Young Navy guy came to faith, but when we when we met the first time, I was in a session with him, and it was for young pastors. And he told about passing out a list to young pastors about who are you, and they all wrote ten things that they did. I'm a counselor. I'm a teacher. I'm a husband. I'm a father. So forth. And all the guys in the room wrote 10 things they did, except one guy wrote nine things he did. And he came to the last thing and wrote, I am tired. Wow. <laughs> and he told that story. And he said, that guy was authentic, right? And so when we met for lunch, he told me his story. And I started telling my story. And I told him about how my uh, missionary pastor parents, after 29 years, their marriage came apart, and it was the hardest point in my life. Mm. And as I was saying this, I looked up, 
and he was sitting across from me and tears were running down his cheeks. Hmm. And in that instant, I knew I had somebody I could trust. And his, we went on to become great friends. He died two years ago at the age of 93. And um, we could talk about anything. We could, I could share anything with him, any fear, any stupid stuff, any of that. And, uh, and I miss him greatly. Wow. That's amazing. Dick, uh, the second question that was sent in um, is how does authenticity work in leadership, organizational culture, and in the church? You know, the church is supposed to be about truth. And I keep coming back to this truth-telling piss, not piss, peace. You, you can edit that out. <laughs> or you can leave it in. <laughs> Um, we, I keep coming back to this truth-telling piece. And I think in, in any situation, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's in a small group, a Bible study, a business meeting, I think to be able to say as leaders, we will tell you as much truth about this situation as we know or as we are able given whatever the constraints are. I think that's important. I think as part of that, uh, people who have made commitments to congregations or to organizations over time, uh, they gain uh, credibility just because of their staying power. Mm. And, and, and that's... Uh, that's really uh, important. Um, I've talked about this several times before, but the idea of uh, telling the truth about what I know, what I think, and what I feel from an organizational point of view. Mm -hmm. to be I mean, folks are having to do this big time in this moment in, here in the United States and around yeah. the world with congregations because of COVID. Yeah. Because people say, well, when are we going to get back together? And when, it, and they can blow smoke or they can fight against governmental regulations or they can do whatever. But to be able to say, this is how much we know at this moment. And the truth is, I desperately want to be with you. That's what I feel. But what I, and what I think is, you know, probably some states could do a little different than what we're doing it. But Anyway, having that ongoing conversation and, and working at ways to make contact uh, are, are critical. Uh, the other piece is, if you say you're going to do something, this is authenticity in practice. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Keep your word. Mm -hmm. And I would submit uh, under promise and over deliver. You know? Don't, don't be pie in the sky, people. We have heaven yeah. later. This pie in the sky doesn't work <laughs> on the planet. You know? And again, there is so much confusion because of all of the messaging that's out there. Your messaging needs yeah. to be succinct to the point and keep your word. No, it's good. It's good. 
Really appreciate it once again, Dick, and um, always go um, to, to hear your responses to the questions. And I'm so thankful that listeners send those in and uh, so great to learn from you. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Cornell Jordan, where we discuss uh, reconciliation and seven steps to, sec- to reconciliation. And um, this Cornell is somebody that's been to Madagascar, had the pleasure to learn um, from him, spend time with him. And somebody, as I've, I've shared many times, if you need joy, um, Cornell's a great guy to be around because he he brings energy and joy into the room and someone that I deeply, deeply respect. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a friend who uh, has seen the the island that I've lived on for the last 14 years. We've traveled together, spent time together. Actually, we stayed in uh, the same hotel room together um, down on the coast and uh, just someone that I have high respect for um, and just um, pleasure to have him on the podcast today. Pastor Cornell Jordan, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience for those who might not know you as, as well as uh, we have gotten to know each other? Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, my name is uh, Cornell Jordan, and uh, I am so excited about today. I, I just hope that you buckled in and are ready to go, because I believe God wants to challenge our hearts and continue to help us to become more like his son. Um, I guess I can start by saying that, uh, first and foremost, I love the Lord. I uh, came to Christ at the age of seven through the work of the Salvation Army, hmm. and uh, I am um, Originally born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm an avid Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> you can pray for us on every level. Um, I, I am married. I'm wonderfully married. Uh, my wife, Kristen, is a fifth grade special ed teacher. And I like wow. to say I'm our number one student. Come on now. <laughs> we have two wonderful children, uh, both college-aged kids. Uh, my son, Christopher. Uh, is studying to be a social worker. My daughter, Hallie, is uh, going into law. And so uh, we are, we just love the Lord. Um, I I began my work in ministry uh, through the work of the Salvation Army, and then uh, I come over to um, the Assemblies of God, and now yeah. minister as an ordained uh, preacher of the gospel yeah. um, with the Assemblies, and I, I I now serve as lead pastor of a very of a small church in Young Summerhall called Metro Assembly. Prior to that, and which will give you most of the context of my life, I traveled as a youth evangelist uh, for about 13 years, crisscrossing the country and the globe, just trying to share the love of Jesus. So yeah. And uh in the audience, uh, Cornell, they don't get to see your face um uh because this is audio, but Cornell is somebody right. that when you when you look at Cornell, if you don't have joy in your heart, do you got, there's something going on. He is some, his presence, his presence in a room. He lights up a room. He lights up. Uh, he makes everyone feel like you're, you're worth a million bucks. And uh, even a guy from West Virginia, like me, but um, it's, uh, it, it's a gifting. It is a gifting that God has given you that you, the value you place in people and the joy that you have in your heart, man, it, it exudes. And uh, it just as we got on this, we got on this uh, Zoom call, I just started smiling. Uh, I wasn't smiling up to this point, but just seeing you and getting to talk with you just put a smile on my face. And, um, and it's a, that is a blessing yeah. and a gift God has given you. 
Pastor Cornell, as we get into the what we're looking at today is within Africa, we have teams coming um, and people coming and serving on teams. And this subject of reconciliation and um, is something that is dear to my heart is we want our teams and the people on our teams to have a greater understanding of, of each other, mm-hmm. but understand the value of diversity. And um, I just wanted to... I know that this is a subject that you're passionate about, reconciliation. Could you just share a little bit about how you became passionate about this subject and um, what put some excitement in in you when we talk about this? Well, um, that's a very loaded question, but (laughs) what gives me passion is the gospel. I believe that the gospel, the message of the gospel is a message of reconciliation. So if I'm going to call myself a Christ follower, I have to take the lead uh, that the gospel kind of shows me in that way. Yeah. And so um, a couple of things real quick. Um, the gospel is a message of reconciliation when you mm-hmm. know it and it's, and it's uh, authenticity. And so I, I want to be one of those that convey the message of the gospel through my life and my interactions. It's one thing to talk about it, to say all the things, but that's how you live it. You know what I'm saying? That that really, um, really is what convinces people of what you believe and your convictions. Um, I want to say this. Um, the work of the devil, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all those things cause division. And we, yeah. we know that from First uh, John chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 16. And so if it's causing division, I want to be, be God's conduit to bring about unity and mm. bring people together and look at what we can uh, achieve uh, given all of our differences and our skills and, our, and, our, and the blessings that God has. So what makes me passionate is the world is going left, yeah. but I want to go right. That's, that's my desire. Like, I want to do whatever is opposite than the, than the norm in the sense of um, whatever is not exalting the Lord. Yeah. And uh, I'm just very passionate about that because we live in a culture right now th- that we, unfortunately, we think different hmm. than we do unity first. And so I want to always hmm. be the type that, that deals with the the latter other than the former. So how do you keep yourself focused there? Um, Cornell, and we live in a world, as you shared, that's going one direction and the drift is that direction. So obviously you're a man of the word. I remember one time we were, we were driving in, in a car and um, I was quoting something. You said, I want to know what the God's word says. You know, I quoting other people's great, but I want to know what God's word says about it. So how do you keep from drifting? Um, because I think that's the way the media and not to blame the media, but that just seems the way the world is going is towards disunity. But what I heard you say is we need to, you're, you want to be on the side of unity. And how do you keep focused on that? Well, I think that's, that's for me personally, I just want to yeah. qualify that for me personally. Um, what keeps me from drifting is because I know a couple of things. Number one, I represent the cross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not just something that's tattooed on my arm or yeah. something that's worn around my neck. Yeah. It's lived out of my life and my actions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, I truly, truly, truly want to be um, an expression of what, Christ likeness is like, and even at my, even on my best day, I fall short, but just because I fall short doesn't mean that I shouldn't try. I shouldn't allow the Holy spirit to, to challenge me. Another thing is this, man, I have two wonderful kids Hmm. and everything in me wants to be able to live a life that they can respect, Hmm. that they can 
uh, leverage their lives so that things are better for them. And, and if we have Christ at the center, then that helps. The third thing I would say in that is this. We live in a culture that, that is so driven to voice its opinion and the perspectives and kind of get, get off their chest what's going on. Yeah. And as a Christian, sometimes I just have to sit back and say, okay, Lord, you did a work in me. I have to allow you to do a work in them. Wow. And so um, I, I really, really, really uh, just want people to be able to experience the better life that God has for uh, them uh, if they would allow the work of the Holy Spirit to truly, to truly take root in their lives. So yeah, it's, that's it's it. Good. That's a good word. That's a good word. You know, as we were talking about the, this, pos- this opportunity to sit down and talk, you shared with me um, seven steps to reconciliation. And um, I really believe these are powerful. I don't know if we'll get through all seven of them today, but I, I do have some that I would love to love to dig down deep on. Um, mm-hmm. for, for our missionary teams, how can we become more aware of what's going on, what's happening, and, um, and maybe how maybe our family of origin or maybe where we come from, maybe that's a lens we're lurking through that maybe we're not exactly seeing what's going on in the world and when it comes to this area of reconciliation. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, you're, you're saying uh, how can you first take notice of it and that sort of, that sort of thing, if I'm yeah. understanding your question. Yeah. I, I think the reality of the matter is um, as individuals who work with people uh, of diversity, and when I yeah. say diversity, I, I, the first thing we all automatically think of is race and color. Yeah. But when you truly uh, take a step back and you hear that word diversity, it comes in a plethora of fashions, okay? And that's the first start, is to be able to take a step back and say, man, it's not just about color or race, it's about giftings, talents, abilities. Uh, I I love sports, and it would be horrible if my (laughs) beloved Cavs just drafted all centers. You know what I'm saying? The centers have their role, but we need guards and shooting guards and forwards, so to speak, just to use uh, a sports analogy, if you will. In other words, the first thing that we must do is we must be able to recognize that all of our differences can be brought together so that our goal of advancing and moving forward can be achieved much quicker. And that's the key. So, so one of the things that I would challenge people to do is say, hey, let me take a step back and see all that God has brought to me to be able to affect his will moving forward. So wow. if I can recognize that off the, off the bat, to say, man, this person brings this to the team or this person brings that to the team, it's only going to make the team even better because I believe God is uh, hes faithful to bring to us what we need, when we need it, to affect his will. So I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it it's the recognition that everyone has something that they can offer, irregardless of race, creed, uh, gender, all those things. All those things help us to be who God is calling us to be as his followers and as just people, as people. Yeah. And now let me say this to you, Aaron. Um, one of the things that I try to help people understand is there's two conversations always going on. <laughs> one conversation, is, here, here's the reality. One conversation is for those who know Christ and the other one is for those who don't. Yeah. And you must know which conversation you need to have at the time. Because wow. some of the things I say to those who don't know Christ, man, all my all my scripture verses and passages and all that, those things may not work. So I have to do something that's really key. And this is, you'll hear this later, but let me say it now. It's winning the right to be heard. It's Mm. earning the right 
to challenge them in their thought and, and be challenged by their thoughts at the same time. So if we realize those two conversations and when to use them, we'll find more peace within ourselves when uh, tackling such issues because nobody really wants to talk about this stuff, but we need to. <laughs> So winning the, we're, I'm going to go down a little trail here, the winning the right to be heard. What are some things in your life and experience that you found that, that, that helps and then maybe some things that hurts or takes away? Actually, you're, you're trying to win the right to be heard and actually you're going in the opposite direction. You're just digging yourself a hole. Um, could you give some wisdom and insight on that, Cornell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, a couple of things, some things that helped and some things that hurt. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to give you some lines that, that I think you should never say. Okay. okay. Th this is really, really, really good. You're, you're, you're living dangerous right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to issues of division, of reconciliation, injustice, racism, of bigotry, those kind of things, those reality, those are just realities that we have to contend with and uh, we have to contend against. Uh, one of the things you don't ever say is, uh, but things are better than they used to be, mm. okay? Because for some folks, it's always been bad, and mm. the challenge has always been there. Unfortunately, some have never been able to witness it or um, experience it from their context, okay? That's, good. That's huge, okay? That's good. Another one, I'll give you another one. Uh, never say, uh, what about my feelings? Mm. Because that's painful to hear for the ones that are suffering that's yeah. going through the injustice, the racism, the bigotry, the indifference, the separation, okay, yeah. the isolation, that sort of thing. Um, those are two things you never want to say. Um, because Jesus gave us the, the, the image, the picture that when someone was suffering, it's like he was suffering right along with them. That's good. And because of him suffering right along with them, it endeared him to them. Yeah. Does that make good. sense? They, makes they automatically, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, they automatically... Uh, received an ally to their experience. Yeah. And Jesus, as, as you know, was perfect in every way, but the Bible says he was full of compassion and mercy and all those things. Well, the only way that you can have compassion and mercy in those types of situations is to truly understand the experience that, the, that individuals uh, were walk, are walking through, are walking yeah. through. And yeah. so that's that. Let me give you a couple real quick, three quick ones that you can do. You can, so, cause so people often say this to me, Aaron, they say, um, man, I just don't know what to say. Hmm. I, I just don't know what to say. I don't want to say anything to offend. And I certainly don't want to say anything um, that's going to make me uh, seem like uh, I'm a part of all the wrongdoing. That's, yeah. that's the key <laughs> one. Okay. So, no, it's, it's, and that's the genesis of the seven steps of reconciliation. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I happen to be uh, African-American and uh, my insurance guy was white. And unfortunately, in America, when we had some different tragedies and stuff, uh, my friend was like, I, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. So he was caught in this in this quandary, if you will, this paradox. And so this is this is here's some things that I like to tell people to say. You can always say this kind of stuff bothers me, upsets me and angers me to no end. Hmm. Period. The second you say that, you you allow yourself to be able to stand beside the one or the ones who are hurting. Hmm. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't give any kind of uh, what's the word, Lord? I didn't give any kind of uh, solution 
I'm just making myself, uh, I'm just making you aware that I'm, uh, I'm aware of the issue and the problem and that it upsets me. I don't know what to do yet, but I first want to let you know that it's a problem. So let me, let me go to the next two. You can also say, I'm not, I'm not fully, I don't fully know or understand what you're feeling, but I sense that you are hurting. And because of that, I'm hurting. Mm. Come on now. <laughs> right. I don't, yeah. I don't know all the answers and I can never say I walked through something you walked through, That's but good. because you're hurting and I'm your friend and I love you, I'm not hurt. Isn't that scripture? That the is. Bible says when one grieves, we all grieve. Come on now. That's good. And so when we don't grieve, it's like, don't you see what I'm walking through? <laughs> like, one more real quick. And the best one you can say is, listen, listen, I don't, uh, I don't get all this, but if you need to vent or to just listen, I'm here for you. Hmm. I'm here for you. I'm just willing to listen. I don't, I know I don't know anything and I may have it all screwed up and I may be struggling with some things, but you can just have me as someone that's willing to listen. So, yeah. And so if, and so Cornell, if somebody does say, Hey, I'm going to, they're going to take you up on that suggestion. I'm going to listen and offer that. So what I'm hearing you say is you just need to listen. You don't need to offer solutions. You don't need to talk about your past experience. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And there's a place, this is what's so awesome. Once you demonstrate your ability to listen and to be of concern to the issues, that your friend, peer, coworker, right. employee right. dealing with, that opens the door for partnership to the solution. Hmm. See, you can't, you'll never get to B without first going through A. Come on now. <laughs> right? Never, never. So we must, the Bible says we must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get anger. We yeah. have to remember that. Yeah. Quick to listen. That's the first thing the scriptures say. And yeah. man, that's tough for us because we're an opinionated people. <laughs> So, especially being especially being Pentecostals, we feel we like to talk and uh, continue to talk and uh, a little bit over yeah, and over. Yeah. Yep. You, you know, you one of the the next steps you talk and and um, and I'll put these in the show notes. I'll put the seven steps, but you talk about ex- the, the next step is to accept. How do you? When somebody says, well, I'm not part of the problem, um, you know, and, and our team, we don't need to worry about this kind of stuff because we love each other. We're f- everything focused. And really, these injustices, they're not impacting me. They're not impacting my team. So this, I'm not part of the problem. It's not really, it's not really impacting me. What, how does that affect accepting what's going on? Well, I think that kind of attitude just keeps the distance. Hmm. It, it, it keeps the gap widened. And what we want to do, reconciliation literally means it's it's closing the gap. Okay. Um, And let me just say this, just to give some context to uh, where we're going. Uh, As I was preparing for this morning, I thought to myself, I would give a definition because that would help a lot of people understand reconciliation. And this is just Cornell Aliquest. This is one of my definitions. (laughs) Try to make it understandable. Reconciliation can be defined as the price and the process of restoring fellowship between two parties due to a due to a break, a breach, an offense, a hurt, or a wound. Hmm. Two key words there: hmm. the price and the process. 
Because in order for me to bring two together, a price has to be paid. Hmm. Once the price is paid, then the process is now defined. Come on now. So when someone says, well, this is not about me, then they're just ignoring the realities. And actually, that causes even more pain and more suffering. Hmm. So that is something that you never want to say. Even if you feel it, I I would encourage you to just keep quiet on that. Now, we can't be quiet on a lot of things, and we're going to talk about that, I'm sure. But that's the case where you have to just keep your mouth shut and say, Holy Spirit, help me in this situation. Wow, that's good. And that what you just said there at the end, Holy Spirit, help me in this situation. And I think, uh, Cornell, you just highlighted, and I'll point it myself and me, that's, a, that's something that I need to reflect on and, and say more. Holy Spirit, help me in this situation to see. Why do you think we're hesitant to to do that? Well, I, I think a couple of things, <laughs> man, that's probably the toughest question you're going to give me today. <laughs> the reality of the matter is this. We all come from backgrounds that are different. We yeah. come from experiences that are different. And unfortunately, our upbringing didn't teach us how to navigate those differences. That's now cool. watch this. Watch this. The scriptures call us to come to Christ like a child. Yeah. Kids have no problem interacting with one another. It's true. None whatsoever. Those are all learned behaviors, right? Those are all yeah. learned patterns of thinking. We had to be told, yeah. what, you know, how to, like, you don't come out of the womb being racist. I don't That's believe right. that, right? right? So those are learned behaviors. So for me, what I would say to that is this, man, I want to represent Christ the best way I can. And sometimes representing Christ means me being more of a listener than a talker. It means me being more uh, humble to a situation than aggressive towards it. It's less, come on, thank you, Jesus. It's less me defending and it's Mm -hmm. more me loving. Thank That's you, good. Lord. That's good. That's a good word. That's a good word there. Less, less defending and more loving. And, um, and so that, that kind of leads into this, into the loving part. Um, mm-hmm. How does the apathy and, and, and silence when, and when there's, when there's struggles that we've seen um, in the last eight, 10 months that become prominent, it's been going on for a long time, I'm not, but it's become more prominent in the media in the last eight to 10 months. And when people are silent, and that apathy, how does that affect a team? Maybe it's, you talked about there's many types of diversity. So it's not just skin color. There's many types of diversity. But when there's something that that maybe affects females or maybe it affects a certain uh, nationality and people are silent, how does that affect um, this process of reconciliation and in, in what, what's been your experience? Well, uh, man, I got a ton to say here. Four quick points I want to kind of throw at you. Uh, when it when it comes to healthy relationship between people, okay, yeah. healthy relationships between people, silence is like carbon monoxide. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We know carbon monoxide is odorless, yeah, colorless, tasteless. Right. Yeah. But guess what? In all of our houses, we have a detector. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. That is, That's good. You know, That's good. There's a detector for that which I don't see, but still is harmful to me. So yeah. silence is like that. Hmm. Um, I just want to kind of uh, say this to you. We need to protect against that, that harm, that potential harm. So silence is destructive because it causes the problem to continue. Hmm. Not only that, but it ignores the pain that one is walking through. 
That's good. And ultimately, ultimately, uh, it widens the gap between people. So when you're silent, when someone is hurting, watch this. When someone is hurting, we naturally respond to that person hurting. Hmm. Let me give you an an example. If you're walking outside and you see a a woman or a kid fall over, your natural inclination is to go and try to help. It's just natural. So what is what does it say or how does it communicate if you see such an occurrence and you just walk on by? Something is off here, that's especially right. if you're an onlooker, right? Exactly. And so silence demands response in a hmm. situation where, thank you, Jesus, silence demands response in a situation where there's racism, bigotry, separation, uh, hurt, or uh, any kind of angst. Yeah. We have to be able to, once again, pull from the source of the Holy Spirit to say, how do I respond? That's good. Okay? Because sometimes we just don't know what to do. And so yeah. we have to depend on the scriptures, on the Holy Spirit to, to give us the angle to which to respond. We yeah. can't sit back and do nothing because that's going to prolong the issue. That's right. And because we're living beings, we're meant to interact with one another. Yeah. We have to be able to trust the Lord to give us the insight of how to move forward. So silence is deadly. And you will hear a lot of people screaming that when there's things like injustice and, you know, right. such taking place, that silence is a killer. Yeah. It really is. So. And so in, in that comes back to the, that point you said this, we need to, we need to ask the Holy spirit what to say and allow the Holy spirit to, right. to walk mm-hmm. as a God is through that process. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yep. Any more thoughts on silence? No, I, I, let me throw these at you. So again, uh, one more thought, I guess I, I kind of prepared for, if you will, when silence is exposed, it puts pe- the reason why a lot of people uh, have issues with uh, silence is with is this, when silence is exposed, it puts people on the spot and doesn't give people the room to move until they speak up. Hmm. So if someone calls you out and say, you have been silent. Yeah. All of a sudden, your defenses go up and now you have to respond. Whereas, watch this, watch this. Whereas if you would have naturally responded, even by saying something that I mentioned earlier, look, I don't get all this, but this this is messed up. This is terrible. Just saying that eliminates the silence. It already makes people know, watch this. It makes people know that you're aware of the conditions. Come on now. That's so good. you can let, let people know you're aware of the conditions and really help them out to be able to take that next step to move forward to, to peace. So, so what, and I hear, I mean, this might be a bad analogy and I accept it if it is, but it would be similar to my kids coming up to me and saying, or a friend coming up and seeing, Hey, say, Aaron, I need you to tell me that you care about me. And then um, I say, yeah, I care about you. But I didn't tell them I cared about them until they, they asked me to tell them that they cared is is that similar or is that a bad analogy? No, no, no. That that that's similar in that's similar in the way. I, I was thinking even worse because <laughs> both of us are married guys. You know, our wife always wants to hear us say that we love them, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they don't want to ask us <laughs> to say to them that it should come naturally, right? And yeah. come on, I, I'm sorry, Lord, help me in that area because I've failed a million times. <laughs> you need to get my head right. So the whole the whole thought is it should be a natural response for the believer, not for the non-believer. Here we go. For the yeah. non-believer, I cannot expect that. Yeah. And I shouldn't expect it. So watch this. The Christian shouldn't be offended when the non-believer doesn't say anything. Hmm. 
Come on now. Because they, they don't have the work of Christ, the work of redemption in them. See, the work of Christ has already brought us together back to God. There was a breach, and God himself, he, 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 he just obliterated that gap, okay? Yeah. yeah. So for those who don't know Christ, it's not my job to make them say something. Watch this. It's my job to let them know of what I'm going through. Okay. And to do it in a way, and to do it in a way, watch this, that doesn't cause more division or more angst, but to speak the truth. Because hmm. I believe at the end of the day, people right on the street, they can handle truth. And if I say I'm suffering right now, the, the belief is that, generally speaking, most people will say, well, how can I help in that? Yeah. It, it, how can I help to relieve your suffering or your angst or whatever? Does that make sense? So that's where you see, for us who are in faith, how we, uh, how we traverse that road. And for those who are not of faith, how we're meant to traverse that world. So you see how all, both conversations are always happening. Yeah. Always. So. No, and it's, and that's something, honestly, I had never sat down and, and thought a whole lot about, but it does, you, as you say, there's two, those two conversations that are going on and the importance, um, importance to be re- recognized, to recognize that and to, to let, let it know that it is there. So when the church come in and this idea of church and silence and, um, somebody that I remember when you were in Madagascar, um, I had never listened to Lecrae much. And then you, uh, we listened to Lecrae a lot when you were here and, um, I became a fan of Lecrae. And that's one thing, you know, he's, he's talked about the church and its silence when he's come to certain these issues. Um, where is the church? Does that the how does the church's silence affect people within it when when there's injustice, when there's um, bigotry, when there's things going on that are affecting their lives, but the church is remaining silent? How does does that does that fall in these same lines? Yes, it does. And um, man, let me let me throw some more um, some more of the word into this conversation by saying to you, when the church is a part of the injustice. Hmm. Or when the church is silent, the chasm becomes even greater Hmm. because we see the church as God's mechanism for reconciliation. It is the institution that helps us to realize the desire and heart of God. Okay. So when we look through scripture, we see reconciliation from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation. I was just kind of contemplating this uh, prior to us jumping on, but, uh, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.21, God had to slay an animal to cover, watch this, to cover Adam and Eve. Yeah. Right. So there was a breach because of sin, yeah. right? Selfishness, pride, and all that. But God himself made, took the steps to bring them back together, right? That, that's, sure. that's number one. Okay. So another example of reconciliation in Scripture, just to kind of tie two of these together, is the, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. The father didn't do, he didn't do wrong. It yeah. was the son. And watch this. The love of the father allowed the son to do that. Yeah. But the, the love, watch this. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God is so confident of his love for us that he knows that in time, there may be a period when you come back. And hmm. instead of hitting you over the head with the, you did wrong, he <laughs> says, no, my arms are open to love you to the place that you need to be. Right? That's good word. It's okay? good word. Okay? One of the greatest examples of uh, reconciliation is that of the Good Samaritan. We see yeah. that letter all through. Here are two, two groups of people uh, that are 
diametrically opposed to one another, and yet and still um, a step is knowingly taken to remedy the suffering of another. Come on now, that's so good, right? But watch this one, even better, even better. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 18 and 19 um, says, uh, speaks of God's work, his grace, and that of Christ Jesus coming together to reconcile us back both. So mm. when you talk about the church and its um, shortcomings, yeah. it's, it's devastating because that's the place in which everybody knowingly knows we should go there to be steered back to the right lane. That's right. So when the car starts to veer left or right, the church is supposed to keep you in your lane, stay yeah. in your lane. Well, that's yeah. what the church is meant to do. And not just to uh, come at it from um, a combative standpoint, but yeah. also an encouraging and equipping uh, an edifying way. So I hope that answers. No, 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 man. That's that. That is good. That is good. Um one or two more questions, then I'm going to ask you about your love and passion for Kenya and your travels. Yeah. And um, I think I'm really looking forward to that, that also. Um, responding uh, off with authenticity. Mm-hmm. How can someone check their heart and check their spirit to make sure that they are really responding with authenticity and they're not just because you can read it. You and I can read if somebody's not being authentic, man, you can you can you can. It's obvious. How can we make sure that what we are sharing and what we're believing, that we are truly authentic so that we're not just, as we respond, it actually, I think it can hurt more if we respond without authenticity than, I don't know. I just, that's my struggle. So how, what, what advice would you give in responding with authenticity? Okay. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, this is a deeper one, but I'm going to try to keep it short. Here we go. First and foremost, people will always, always, always accept when we are transparent, honest, hmm. and have won the right to speak. That's good. Okay? Now, how do we win the right? This is where it gets crazy deep and crazy awesome. <laughs> I, I use this phrasing called uh, relational equity. Okay? okay, And what is like relational equity? It's simply this. I have to make known deposits into another yeah. so that when the time comes for me to make a withdrawal, I have something to withdraw on. Mm. Okay. So you keep referring to the time that we were in the car and we were riding. Those were times we were just making deposits in one another. So if I ever were to walk through a difficult time, I know that you, um, I can come to you and make that withdrawal from you and say, man, based on our relationship and the conversations and the depth of our, our, our relationship and our honesty towards one another, help me in this. Yeah. And you see how that goes both ways? That's right. See, here's a problem. Thank you, Jesus. Many of us want to make a withdrawal, but there hasn't been any deposits. <laughs> Come yeah. on now. Yeah. Right? True. So what that means is I have to be willing and proactive. Thank you, Jesus. Proactive to make uh, deposits, have those conversations in love and just say, come from a standpoint of humility. Look, man, I do not understand all this. Just yeah. give me your perspective. Help me to understand. Yeah. Now, you have to know that I, I come from a different background. I have some different experiences. So please forgive me. I'm not trying to sound um, crazy or play the devil's advocate. I just right. really want to know because I love you. Yeah, and I don't want any I don't want any breach, crack uh, or slither of angst or hurt to slide in because of this. So That's let's good. start having a conversation. And what you will find is this. Those individuals who have been hurt will open up 
in a way that's going to really shatter you. You're going to end up hearing yourself say, man, I never knew that. I never knew you felt like that. Yeah. Wow. I need to start to make some assessments. Yeah. And then what the person is going to do in response to that is say, well, let me hear what you're going through so I can make some changes. So now the Bible says, how can two come together unless they agree? Come on that's now. True. That's the that's coming true. together. Come yeah, on now. How to aim no, it's it. good. You know, the other thing you shared, though, is the is you talked about our time. My respect. I didn't. I mean, when you walk into a relationship, you to me, when I walk into a relationship, you have a certain level of respect. The time that I spent with you and as you were sharing, encouraged youth in Madagascar, but just our drive in the car, that long drive from Tamatov to Tananarivo, it's a long drive. The respect, I think that relational equity, your respect for somebody grows and grows and grows and grows. And, um, and to me, I think that plays in. Do you think that's an accurate uh, assessment of, of that relational equity is the respect part of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, you, typically, you typically turn off those you don't respect. Hmm. When you're listening in, watch this. Unfortunately, human nature causes you to listen in so that you can disagree. Hmm. Hmm. Come on now. You listen in so that you can find points to disagree. Yeah. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will cause you, if you're really allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to take place in your life, it should cause you to say, well, Lord, I was wrong. Yeah. And I need to humble myself to that wrong. Yeah. And so you're right. Respect does play a large, large role in it. But to me, respect is just the, it's what gets you through the door. Does yeah, that make that's sense? Good. That's good. That's natural. It's across the board. Yeah. Once, once we've gotten into the house, yeah. man, we need to learn how to live in that house and live peaceably. Come on. No, it's good. It's a good word. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, but in, in taking the time. And I think that's the, the value of spending time with people. You get to hear their story, you get to hear their experience. But if you're, as you said, if you're looking to defend or to respond rather than actually listen, then there's not a, it's, it's a, it's a monologue rather than a dialogue. And um, I think at least my opinion is our culture today, we, it steers us more towards monologue and not actually conversation and dialogue. And we've, I'll own it. I think I've become more comfortable with monologues than I have with dialogues and actually have lost some skills in having those type of conversations. Would you, you know, you're living in the United States. Is that, is that, you see that too, or is that too big of a generalization? No, I think you're spot on. And I, I, I really think that you're just scratching the surface of that. That's, it's way deeper. And hmm. a lot of times people lose hope because it seems like nobody is listening. Hmm. But what we have to realize is sometimes I'm a part of that problem. I'm not listening. Yeah. You know, come on yeah. now. And so I, I really, really love your hardness because for me, um, what I, one of the things, like one of my pastor's friends just asked me this week, he says, Cornell, um, help me to fashion some questions for this forum of various pastors that are coming together to do something just like this. Yeah. And my first thought was, my first question was, what have you yourself learned from all this? Yeah. Like, it's a self-assessment. Yeah. First. That's good. And I, let me say this just for the audience, just so people understand, to be fair and uh, integral to our conversation. There's work to be done on both sides of the offense. Come on now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Because the, it's, it's so true. And sometimes the, those who are seen to be the, the ones offending yeah. seem to always have to defend. Whereas hmm. if they step back and say, you know what? I, I, I'm going to own my portion of this. Yeah. That opens the doorway. But the one who was offended can't watch this 
they can't continue to hold on to that offense. Hmm. That's why one of the steps is to graciously allow. Yeah, and that right. graciously allowing that offense and uh, how it's played out, it's just a period uh, of the whole process. It's a part of the whole process, but it's not the entire process. So when all the, if, if watch this, if someone passes away, they die and all that, you shouldn't grieve forever. Yeah. If you grieve forever, we know that there's more of an issue there, right? Hmm. It's yeah. a part of the process. So one of the things we have to do is be willing to say, look, this is what I'm going to bring to the table. This is what you're going to bring to the table. And our ultimate hope is for us to be restored, redeemed, back in fellowship with one another. Yeah. We cannot be back in fellowship if we're always holding on to our rights, our privileges, our perspectives and all that. That's yeah. what makes Jesus so awesome. Philippians tell us, tells us, Jesus laid on all those things for yeah. our good. That's true. Like, what would life be like if he said, nope, <laughs> I ain't going down that world. It's a mess down there. Mm-mm. Yeah, I like true. it better for So anyway. Yeah, that's true. And then that, what you just highlighted there about being the, the, being defensive, you know what I mean? And walking into a situation and being on the defensive, it's really hard to reconcile anything in life if you if you come in and on the defensive or on or ready to fight um, rather than is what I hear you saying, saying, Hey, we, we both, there's both, we both need to bring something to this table and we need to sit down and we need to work towards that. How can we fight against defensiveness? If that, if that makes any sense. Love. Yeah. We have to love people, meet them where they are. Hmm. Instead of me, watch this. You'll, you'll be hard pressed to look down my Facebook line to see anything that I'm saying that's going to naturally offend. Yeah. Some people get on social media and that's, that's their aim <laughs> is to get, get off their chest. Well, no, I'm trying to let somebody work yeah. in my chest. Come on now. Yeah. in my heart. Yeah. So let me say this, because you mentioned this. I, I think I want to say this. This is like Holy Spirit right now. Open arms are always better than clenched fists. Wow. Always better. So if I come with you, the Bible says that. He says he, 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 um, the Bible says that uh, he exalts the humble, yeah. right? He, he gives grace to the humble, right? He gives yeah. grace to the humble. But for those who are prideful, he's yeah. like, uh-uh, we're not dealing with that. Clench fist is all pride. It's about me. It's about me. <laughs> but humility says, I'm coming in love. I'm defenseless. Yeah, I'm, Look, my arms wide open. I'm defenseless. They're not that's down good. on my side. They're not reaching for nothing. Yeah. I'm defenseless. So. No, that's good. That's good. And to maintain that posture physically and then also mentally too, you know, because you could, you could have, you know, if you walk and say I'm, I'm wide open, but in mentally you're, you're, you're ready to fight. What, and you, you brought it up there, social media. Um, what advice would you have for how can we bring unity on social media rather than create disunity? Um, do you have any wisdom for that? Sure. It's, it's easy. Keep it about kingdom. Hmm. Keep it about the kingdom. Hmm. I, I try not to post anything. If I'm going to be aggressive, it's aggressive from the kingdom standpoint. And That's I'm being good. aggressive from the standpoint that people can examine my life. Yeah. So if they want to shoot me a private message and say, Cornell, man, you're talking about apples, but I don't see it on your tree. Then you, you have me. You have me pegged. You have me pegged, right? I'm just saying. So uh, I want to listen. I, I say this all the time. And if your listeners want to take one thing away, take this away. We are called to be cranes, not wrecking balls. Hmm. Hmm. Now think hmm. about that. So in my, when I post or when I say something over um, social media, 
lines. I want to uplift. I want to edify. Now, there's a way to edify and challenge at the same time. Yeah, but good. I don't want to be the wrecking ball to, dis- to destroy people. Who's yeah. going to come to that? Yeah. Who's going to, who, who wants to? Who wants to be a part of that? So, no, it's good. And um, wow, that's that's gold right there. That is gold. That is gold. I want to end by asking you just about your love for Kenya. And, um, you know, within the Assemblies of God World Missions, I'm just going to go a little bit deeper here. Assemblies of God World Missions, the majority of our team are predominantly white. Um, Mm -hmm. What when you when a person, a a black man, black woman, um, African-American woman, African-American man comes to Africa and it wants to serve or comes to be a part of a team. What is there something that a white male or white female would not understand? And maybe we, and could you help us understand what it means and perspective when your love for Kenya is palpable? Does that, does that question make any sense at all? Yeah, I'll I'll say like this. (laughs) I hope when they come to, I hope when anybody of any color goes out on the mission field, they're doing it because the Holy Spirit has led them to do that. For sure. If there's any other motive for doing it, then guess what? You're going to have some trouble. Yeah. For me personally, I have a love for missions, period. No, it's for just sure. that God is <clears throat> and God has given me a love for a particular group of people. Yeah. But if God were to ask me to go to Madagascar, I'm gonna love people because that's what God has called me to do. That's yeah. what he does. And again, the goal is for me to be more like him, not more like Cornell, more like him. And yeah. so when a team comes, one of the things that we try to say is a two-way street, Aaron, two-way mm. street. It's me being able to offer my gifts, talents, and abilities and desire to be used of God through his Holy Spirit. And it's also me opening up myself to learn, to gain insight, wisdom. Because, listen, I want to to ingratiate myself to you, the missionary, because you're on the field every single day. Come on now. And so I want to be able to be a help to you and not a hindrance to you. It's not about, you know, coming to the motherland. It's not about all this. That's that stuff is that that stuff for those who don't know Christ. (laughs) But for me, I think I want to tell those who are coming with me, teams and such, come with an attitude of being a learner, a student. And if you are a student and a learner, it's endless what the Holy Spirit can do in and through you. Yeah. Where I don't you, know if that's the question, no, but it, it, I, I it, don't come with no predisposed. I know you don't. Here's my here's my concern, though, Cornell. My concern <laughs> is: is there things that I would say that I hope that I wouldn't say it? But are the things in, people would say insensitive, like you said, coming back to the motherland. And, and, I mean, that's something you said. Is there certain? Do people say that to you? <laughs> I mean, when you go, well, they may not is- say it, but they think it. They think it because they haven't had that opportunity. And and, and this is where it's so dangerous. Um, I'm not trying to get you in, in trouble. I'm not trying to get no, you no, in trouble. That's okay. I'm, I'm really trying to help, honestly. And I'm not trying to to throw you a bat. I'm honestly trying to help our teams and mm-hmm. people that receive people that are coming to our teams because we don't mm-hmm. know I, I, the blind spot that I have, Cornell. I don't know that it's there. I, okay. I know I have a blind spot. I, I know that it's there. And um, I'm just trying to learn. And so that, yeah. And so I'm not trying to put you in an awkward position or a difficult position. I'm just, we're just trying to learn. Yeah. Don't worry about that. I don't feel that. See, that's the, that's the relational equity that we have. I already know that. about. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is this, I'm coming to you. And so I must be mature enough, aware enough, 
Holy Spirit led enough to know that I don't know everything. Hmm. So I need to keep your ignorance, your predisposed notions, all that, check that at uh, like immigration or something. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, check it, check it when you walk in. Because here, God is opening up an opportunity for your mind to be blown of just how awesome he is. Yeah. And so I would say to you, you have every right to say to teams, look, I don't know what you came here thinking, but we want you to see the goodness of the Lord. And mm. we will give you opportunity to express yourself in healthy and constructive ways, yeah. but also allow us to challenge you so that you can see the fullness of the Lord on display through you. That's good. <laughs> so if they That's have good. a problem with those two things, it's like, well, okay, Lord, you're going to make it known to all of us. Yeah. Because some, some people are not meant for the field because of their own ignorance and bias and all those things. And the Lord will reveal it. So when's the first time you remember having a spark and love and passion for missions? Oh man, I was, I, I grew up at 6015 Quimby Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio, 44103. And I can remember sitting out on the porch and saying, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be. And what I was literally saying at the age of like six or seven is, man, I want my worldview to expand. Hmm. Life was way more than just Quimby Avenue. Hmm. And I've been blessed. Jesus name. I've been blessed to see a lot of people, a lot of places and be used of God to encourage people and to have people come to the saving knowledge of who he is. And that's what it is for me. So yeah. the spark was always there. And I believe uh, the Bible says God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Yeah. They do not understand it. So yeah. there's a longing to experience more diversity, uh, uh, culture that's in all of us uh, some of us haven't had the chance to get on the plane and experience that yeah but you'll certainly go across town and eat at the different restaurant yeah <laughs> so anyway but no but one last question then i'm gonna ask you to pray for us sorry i keep no asking sweat. more keep asking more questions but yeah, no sweat. the last question um when you come then you, you've come to Madagascar, your engagement with and your love for the people. It's just like when you get off the plane, man, you're, you're that. And that's uncommon. I can't say it, it, it's uncommon. Okay. What, what wisdom do you have for people that are maybe coming on a trip, whether it's Latin America or Europe or wherever it's, it's, this is not just an Africa thing, but when they get off, because you model that the love for the people as soon as you engage and um, it's palpable for everybody involved. And um, what, yeah, could you just share a little bit about that? Well, uh, I told you I traveled for uh, 13 years um, in all kind of arenas, public schools, Christian schools, colleges, mm -hmm. you name it, big church, large church, all that. Mm -hmm. And at, at some level, I began to understand that it really wasn't about me. Hmm. I hate to say that. As much as God has gifted me and given me great experiences and a great wife and kids and, you know, friends, at the end of the day, it's about him. And so for me, watch this, go back to somebody said, I want to win the right as soon as I can. Hmm. And I win that right by loving people right where they are, because hmm. that's what God did for me. He met me right where I was. The Bible says when we were sinners, hmm. Christ died for us. Yeah. So he, he was doing it at our worst so that we can get to our best through him. Yeah. So you know what? If I can be a blessing to folks right out the gate, if I can be 
that anomaly that says, man, he's doing it different and it's sincere because I see it in his consistent action. See, that's the thing. Even in sports, it's about consistency, right? <laughs> so it's true. So if I can be consistent in my action in that way, what it's going to do is going to cause some people to think in a way that they didn't uh, do so in the beginning. And that's my heart. My heart is for people to be able to see Christ Jesus in a completely different way, to have the freedom that comes from it. I look at you on the screen and uh, in, in the conversation. That makes me want to be even more free. Yeah. And isn't that what we carry as Christ followers, this, yeah. this freedom that yeah. he has brought to our life? And so I want to give that off because yeah. all it takes is one key to unlock somebody uh, in their, their destiny by our own actions. So if I can make a, someone smile, if I can give some people hope, those kind of things, it's unlocking that door. And now yeah. it's endless what they could do. So no, and you're and you're phenomenal at it. And um, and what you said, it's sincere. And that's the other thing, Cornell. I've seen. Um, not that I'm, I'm I was not taking notes or anything, but it, it or grading. But I got to see you in difficult situations and seeing you time and time again. And it's sincere. It's who you are. And um, as you said, when you get into difficult situations, you see what's inside. It, it presses you. In, then, <laughs> but your sincerity and love for people, it, it's palpable. And um, it's challenged me. And um, I've grown because of my, my time with you and um, my deep respect for you. Cornell, will you go ahead and pray for the audience yeah. today? I appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, I always learn from you. And um, yeah, learn once again today. Will you pray for us that God will use our conversation? Um, to strengthen us and bring reconciliation. Yeah, no worries. Um, Father God, first of all, we want to thank you. We just want to give honor and glory to your name. You are so good. Your word tells us every single day your mercies are new. Every single day we get a brand new start at this. So Lord, thank you for being so forward thinking for us when it comes to our relationship with you and with others. God, we simply want to model (laughs) back to you what your son did for us. That's the bottom line, oh God. We're asking you, Jesus, that you would continue to equip us, challenge us, and allow us to sense your Holy Spirit doing a work within us that we may be the best representation of you to others, oh God, because you're going to hold us accountable to that. Help us not to just speak the name or claim the name, but help us, Lord Jesus, by your power, by your word, your truth, your love, to live your name in a day-to-day basis. So God, for those who are struggling out there with issues of injustice, racism, bigotry, uh, fragmented teams and such, oh God, I pray that through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, there'll be a unity that will come about, Lord God. Your word says how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Because at that point, that's when the blessing, all the extra, all the empowerment uh, comes from you, oh God. So may we be... uh, astute enough to be able to turn to you and seek your wisdom through all these things. I'm asking you, Lord God, that you bless and empower all those missionaries on the field that are trying to win the right to develop teams that can impact not just, <laughs> not just groups, tribes, Lord God, but nations in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom. Allow us to challenge ourselves. Your word tells us that we can examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And Lord God, we want to be able to do that. That as we challenge ourselves, as we look within, as your word encourages us to do, we will see what's happening outside of us and be able to trust you enough to right the wrongs with your help and also continue 
to allow right and righteousness to be our heritage. That's what we desire, oh God. So continue, Lord God, to restore, to bless, to enable, to lead, and to challenge leadership that they may reflect your heart for your people. We love you so much, God. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 